Good morning, everybody. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, my name is Stan Zlotsky, uh from the Morgan Stanley uh, Software Research Team. And with us this morning, we have the pleasure of hosting the CFO of Coupa, Todd Ford. Todd, good morning. Good morning, Stan. Um, so before we get started, uh, please note that all important disclosures, including personal holdings disclosures and Morgan Stanley disclosures, appear on the Morgan Stanley Public website at www.morganstanley.com slash research disclosures or at the registration desk. Um, Todd, uh, I, I realize you guys are in your um, quiet period now, so we're not really uh, – we're going to uh, take it up uh, to a higher level, but uh, the, probably the, the topic that's most um, – uh, often asked at this conference uh, with investors is you know, what, what, what are you seeing globally, right? With the virus outbreak that's happening, um, how are you guys thinking about the situation? You know, for us as a company, it's, it's very much business as usual. And, you know, obviously it's a, a fluid situation, one that we continue to monitor. You know, anecdotally, I was going up the, the elevator with our, one of our top sales guys in the mid-market, and I asked him, you know, just trying to keep a pulse of what's going on. I'm like, what do you see? And he's like, you know, business as usual, game on. And um, so we really haven't done anything different. Obviously, we're, you know, making sure we're safeguarding our employees and, you know, not taking unnecessary risks and, and that type of thing. So if travel's not necessary, we don't do that. But, um, you know, from a, a customer perspective and uh, has, how we're executing on business, nothing has really changed. And even last week, we had our... Uh, is actually our largest sales boot camp ever of new hires, and everybody was there, right? You know, everyone flew in, so it wasn't like, oh, my God, i got to stay home, et cetera. So, you know, we're monitoring it. We obviously don't want to put anybody at risk, but from a, you know, a go-to-market perspective and opportunity perspective, it doesn't really feel like anything's changed other than everyone's kind of wondering how it's going to impact things. So right. it's still eyes wide open, but um, for right now, business as usual. That's great. And, and you guys do have some, uh, some large customers in the manufacturing vertical and in Asia-Pacific. Um, it doesn't sound like you know, that there's anything specific, you know, anything specific that's coming out of them that's, that's you know, really uh, making you nervous. And not, obviously from, not from a Coupa perspective, but you know, there's, you know, the one thing that impacted us, which was you know, we, we've got all these new hires coming on board, and we were looking for Mac laptops. We couldn't find them anywhere, right? So we found one place, so we bought them all, right? Um, and then I just read recently Foxconn's coming back online. So, you know, you see the contraction in Asia, but now they're starting to do stuff. So Apple supply chain is starting to open up a little bit. Uh, we did have an interesting dynamic with one of our large manufacturing customers that was looking for the face masks, right? Those are in short supply. Right. And we have this technology that we've been doing and this concept of source with me, where buyers from multiple of our companies uh, get together and, you know, they go do strategic sourcing to, you know, get a better price, et cetera. This one was a little bit different. They were still trying to get price, but they were, they were just trying to find the masks, right? So they're trying to leverage the, the network to find masks, and uh, we were able to put that together and do a special sourcing event for them and, you know, got their masks so they could continue to do their manufacturing and got it at a good price, right? Because there's been a lot of price gouging. So but those are anecdotal things, but beyond that, nothing that I would call out. Okay, perfect. Um, well, so moving on to the other uh, uh, top of mind topic, which is Coupa Pay. Um, and, Love uh, talking about Coupa Pay. I'm, I'm, I'm sure in your conversation with investors, and you know, we, we we did some meetings in New York uh, a little you know, a few months ago, and uh, you know, obviously that comes up in every single meeting, and that's usually the first question. So. 
uh, with that as the preamble, uh, let's dive into Kubernetes. <laughs> um, look, you know, so when, when the, the reason it's so exciting, right, is because investors they talk to accounts payable professionals, um, and you know, everybody everybody that, that you talk to, they you clearly see that there is um, a, a need for something better, right? That that the 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 B two B payments uh, space is is fairly broken. Uh, and it's very hard to, uh, to to really manage that entire process. And in as much as everybody always talks about um, procurement software as you know source to pay or procure to pay, right? But the pay part never really happened truly. But you guys are really making that happen, right? So w what what is it that's really exciting you um, as a finance professional, right, about Coupa Pay? Yeah, you, you framed it exactly right. Is you know, there really hasn't been anyone that's been able to do coupon pay. People do call it source to pay, you know, procure to pay, order to pay, but the pay was never was never happening. And if you think about that cycle of, you know, buying something, getting it approved, you know, the three-way match when it comes in, and then the okay to pay and going to, to AP, the hard part is that transactional engine. And we call that our pipe for procurement, invoicing, payment, and expenses. And our customers actually came to us, right, and said, hey, you guys have done the hard part. You've done the integration with the GLs. You've done all the workflow. You've got 5 million suppliers on your network. Why can't you do pay? And we looked at it, and, you know, as you know, it's still early on for us with, with pay, but we've been able to get several products to market very quickly because we're just layering them on top of this transactional engine that's, that's already been built. And every single conversation we're having with our you know, our current customers and new prospects include Coupa Pay. And, you know, from my, you know, different companies are at different stages, but the adoption and interest from both the mid-market and the enterprise is high. And then when you look at having a platform, which is, you know, the business spend management platform that we've been building out and executing upon for, you know, over 10 years now, it's really manifests itself in, you know, winning more deals, winning bigger you know, uh, ARR per deal getting there, and, and that, that trend is certainly continuing, and, you know, we're, we're as bullish on Coupa Pay as we've been when we started it out a couple of years ago. Got it. And when, 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 you, when you're bringing Coupa Pay into investor conversations, sorry, into customer conversations, not investor conversations, um, in customer conversations, um, what are... Um, like how are those conversations going? Like, you know, wh what are customers asking for? Um, you know, wh what, what are they evaluating when they're thinking about, you know, hey, is Coupa Pay right for me? I mean, in all of our conversations, it comes down to ROI and, you know, what's the value proposition. And it's no different for Coupa Pay. And if you think about what, what the way I always like to think about it is the best AP is no AP, right? So if you can have multiple ways to interact with your supplier base, multiple ways to pay them, and then multiple ways to reduce the transactional costs on the back end. You know, we, we've talked about virtual credit cards before, but, you know, if you're, if you're buying something, it's a one-time supplier, they use the credit card, it goes through an approval process, whereas most people that have corporate cards or personal credit cards, it's always done after the fact. So you can still make sure that, you know, they're buying something off the best pre-negotiated rate. It's going through an approval process. So if it goes through an approval process, it can be rejected, so you save money there, and then you make sure it's spent for what you authorized it for. And there's a lot of fraud with P cards, et cetera, but when they use that uh, virtual credit card, as we call it, and if it's done for the approved intended use, it's automatically reconciled to the GL. Right. 
the, it's just an example of you don't have an AP person trying to track down a sales guy or you know a clerk as to what they spent all the money. Then you got the GL on the backside. So it's it's a reducing transaction costs of doing business, streamlining operations, operating more efficiently with their suppliers, and do it in a, a cheaper manner. And there's multiple case studies of how the different products manifest themselves, but it all comes down to value and savings. Got it. Well, you, you mentioned P cards just now, and you know virtual um, virtual credit cards. Um, that's part of the Coupa Pay solution. Um, how do you, how are you thinking about the opportunity? Because if you look back historically, right, virtual cards is not something that, that you know that, that was invented a year ago. It's been around for a very long time, um, but you know it's never really taken off, right? Um, you know, what have been some what have been some of the barriers to adoption of these virtual uh, credit cards, um, and how is Coupa uh, Pay really you know, trying to change that? So the the hardest thing with virtual credit cards is building it into your your procurement process. So if you tip historically the purchasing card would be okay, you know, XYZ manager purchasing operations guy has a a virtual credit card, right? So there's there's no pre-approval process. And everything you do, you want it to be pre-approved, to be bought off a contract, et cetera. So the, the way that we issue virtual credit cards is really no different than how we do, you know, procure to pay. I need a virtual credit card for this. It goes through the normal routing channels. It gets approved. It's also integrated to the GL. And then it's also, depending on the supplier relationship, integrated with the supplier, right, on the, the back-end side because they, they end up paying for it, basically. Uh, so the, the part that was missing was that transactional engine, right? That whole process. When you're just doing something outside of the system, you still have the back-end reconciliations, you don't have the ability to prove it, you don't have the ability to make sure they're buying off of a pre-negotiated contract, et cetera. So, you know, when we came out with virtual credit cards and we've added a lot more partners, you know, the banks came to us and said, you know, we have been having a hard time getting, tra you know, traction with this product, but it's because we don't have what Coupa has. So when we first started talking to issuing banks about the virtual credit cards, there's been a huge amount of interest and we've continued to add banks and they're, they're coming to us. Right. And as we get more and more issuing banks on our platform, we actually get more leverage, right? Because we don't necessarily, I mean, we want them to get you know, a broader platform, but uh, as we get more and more options, we can you know, start demanding more of the, the back-end split. Got it. And the, the other part that you mentioned, right, is as far as historically prohib prohibiting adoption of virtual cards was simply resistance of suppliers to quote unquote pay for those those cards, right? Because they they do have to give up some of the uh, you know, and, um, the transaction volume in fees and um, when you compare it versus ACH, which is essentially free. Um, you know, how how do you get suppliers on board to you know, really take on virtual cards? So the, kind of the first part of that equation is we, we've always sat on the side of the buyer, right? Doing what's going to be the best for the buyer and make sure they're getting the best products at the best prices. And you know, obviously over time that commoditizes the, the buyers. But in the, in the case with the virtual credit card, there is also benefit to them, right? So yeah, they are paying some sort of percentage, but it's certain and they're going to get it right away. So they don't have to you know, pay all the costs on the back end of trying to chase down a payment, reconciling it to their accounts. And you know, for, for really large purchases, they're not going to do that, right? So right. virtual cards is really the tail of spend, something that would typically have been done on a credit card, smaller amounts, and you know, it's still early stages for us, but we haven't gotten a lot of pushback or heard about a lot of pushback from suppliers. Do, do, do suppliers also view it as, you know, hey, it's obviously more certain, 
and it's going to help us to um, improve our working capital? Do they view it? Do they think about it that way at all? Yeah, and, that, and that's part of what we're doing. You know, we've talked about getting into supply chain financing to help the suppliers. So there, there are benefits to the suppliers, but when you know you're going to get it date certain, in, in many cases it's up front, right? Because right. you're giving the credit card up front, or at least you already have the data. Uh, it definitely helps them with working capital for sure. Well, so when when we talk to investors, right, the virtual credit cards was the first product that you guys released. Uh, but now you have you know, four different ones. Um, the, the, probably the, the single biggest almost like mistake that I they hear investors making is they, they think that virtual cards is going to be this massive driver of volume um, uh, as far as spend. And you mentioned it's going to be more of, of a tail of, of you know, like the tail end of spend, which makes you know, which is what, what it's historically been. When you think about you know, the, the opportunity for your different products, and as far as like attach into your actual spend that's flowing through the Coupa network, um, I would think that invoices would probably be the biggest component, right? Is, is that the right way to think about it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, you know, when you think about the way that somebody buys something, right, it's getting requisitioned, you can actually do the payment, how you want to pay that as part of that process, it gets approved. So there's, there's no need to go to AP, right? Because we know if it's been received, we know if it's been accepted, if the payment's in 45 days, bam, just goes off in 45 days or however you want to manage it. But when you look at the transactional spend that goes through Coupa, it is that process. Right. That, is the, that is the meat of what we're doing, and you know, that's the, the meat of what's driving you know, increased ACV. You know, in longer term, that would be the, the meat that drives the transactional piece, right? And, and w within, within invoices, um, when, when, when investors similarly think about, you know, hey, how can Coupa monetize this piece, um, I think it's important to also be able to break it down between how much of the invoice volume is domestic versus cross-border where, you know, whereas on the cross-border stuff, there's much more, uh, a much bigger margin, hypothetically, that um, you, you can try to get into. But I would also, I would also think that the international cross-border invoices just where you guys operate would probably be a, a much smaller component of the overall invoice volume. And, and that's one thing, you know, so we've got a lot of customers, mid-market enterprise, that are going through the deployment, right, because Coupa Pay for Invoicing has only been out, I guess it's seven months now. So, the, you know, there's companies that are fully implemented, there's others that are going through it, and as we get a, a broader data set, we'll be able to give better splits as to what's domestic versus international, and as you correctly noted, on the international, because there's a foreign exchange component, it's more of a percentage of the actual transaction, uh, which would be higher dollar volumes. And then on the domestic side, there's not as much sensitivity as the ACH fee as you would think, uh, whether it's mid or enterprise, because the, the value is so high. And you know we haven't seen the there's not a whole lot of elasticity there. I mean, you can't be charging thousands of dollars, but you know, a lot of people think it's 50 cents. We're actually able to get more than that, obviously on a small sample set. And the other benefit we add from a domestic perspective is the ability to do batch payments. Mm -hmm. So if you're a, a large retailer who's got 1,200 stores across the United States, instead of writing 1,200 checks, doing 1,200 reconciliations, keeping money in 1,200 operating accounts, you can do one and do either one ACH or even just one digital check type thing. Uh, so the when we have a broader kind of uh, sample set on the transactional volume, we'll be able to break out what's domestic and what's um, cross-border. But um, 
know, cross-border, when you talk to people, other companies that have done it, it's actually a, a bigger percentage than many think. Got it. Well, so as, as the CFO of Coupa, right, when, when you think about the opportunity for Coupa Pay, what gets you more, more excited? Is it the, the potential, you know, the, the take rate components um, that you guys could be uh, generating from, from the volume that flows through, or is it the, the recurring software pieces um, from you know, actually selling the software into your customers? The, probably the single biggest thing that gets me excited about Coupa Pay is just dominating and crushing the market, right? Because we, we've got the platform, we have so many different ways we're adding value that nobody else can touch because we've built that transactional core. Right. Nobody in the market has built the transactional core, right? With the procurement, invoicing, payments and expenses to the, to the extent we've had. And that's by far, I mean, that's, that's why we're here, right? We're here to just dominate and win this market. And yeah, we're assertive in the way we do that and we continue to add functionality that, that's by far number one. Then when you start to get down from the, you know, the, the financial model and that type of thing, you know, we've seen you know, significant, when you have the broader platform, you win more, you win bigger, you win more often. And the deals that have Coupa Pay have had a you know, significant impact on average deal sizes. And you know, longer term, so that, that's what I know. So that, excited by all that and excited by the interest in it. And then the transactional piece, you know, could, could be very significant. We're early stages of that. Because right. the first stage is you sell it to them, they implement it, then they start running transactions from it. So, uh, you know, the transactional piece could be, you know, could be very significant, but it's, it's too early for me to give you details on that. Well, so the, the, the other, outside of the actual details around things like take rates and attach rates and, uh, you know, <coughs> mix between invoices and virtual cards and all that stuff, the other part that the investors really want to know is, hey, when are we going to get some kind of details around Coupa Pay? You know, it's, it's like anytime you're, you're dealing with metrics and numbers and that type of thing, you know, one of the things I did when I got to Coupa before we went public was let's run it as, you know, a public company for a year, right? Because if there's, you, know, you want to kind of make sure that everything you're giving is right, and once you give a metric, you can't take it away, or everyone assumes the worst, right? Uh, and it's, it's the same with Coupa Pay. So as we get more and more data points with respect to you know, average deal sizes split between you know, the enterprise and mid-market and kind of take rates cross-border versus domestic, we'll, we'll start giving those data points as they become statistically significant. And also where, I mean, the thing with metrics, as you know, you want to give enough so people can see the progress of the business, and we're, you know, we're committed to doing that. And you need to also make sure you don't give so many metrics that people get wrapped around the axle because there's, as a CFO, and some of you may not like this, but you know, some people get wrapped around the axle on yep. things that they shouldn't. So it's, it's always a balance, and you know, as, as we get more and more data points with, uh, with some history behind them, we'll continue to share those. Got it. And, and is, from like a time frame perspective, um, you know, are you guys thinking you know, this would be like, a, like an analyst day type of di disclosure? It, it, I mean, analyst day would be a, a natural place to do something like that, but um, you know, we'll start to give you know, color on, on Coupa Pay as you know, the year progresses. Got it, got it. Okay. Um, so let's shift away from Coupa Pay. Um, let's, let's, More than let's, happy to shift away from <laughs> let's, let's go into something else, right? So um, competitive angle, right? The, um, you guys are certainly uh, you know, the leader in the market uh, for procurement, but you know, there, there are other players, right? Like, the, you know, the, there's the 
you know, obviously you know, Reba, but then there's also um, you know, Workday recently bought um, Scout RFP. Um, what are you guys seeing out there from a competitive landscape? I mean, we, we still truly believe that the, the competition is ourselves. But with respect to what, what you, nobody has built the transactional engine. All right, you see different people that, that will start with some of the power apps. Like strategic sourcing is a power app, right? That's where there's a small group of users within a company. It adds value, right? But it's not the whole procure to pay engine, the order to pay, the integrations with the GL. You can have a sourcing app that's not tied to anything where 10 people in a company are using it. The value is when you're, you have the full platform. And you know, whether it's you know, the names that you mentioned or others, Nobody has built that transactional core, and it's really hard to do that, right? And you've got, you know, Rob, who's our CEO, who's very much a technologist, built the platform, and, you know, has gone through 10 years of iterations. That's not something you can replicate in two years. And when the company was getting started and when Rob came into this market, you know, he saw the opportunity, you know, really had the vision to do it. But it wasn't the sexiest thing in the world. I, I always call it the Warren Buffett of technology, right? Not everyone says, hey, I want to go do procurement or you know, business spend management. And that really gave us a huge competitive advantage. And, and also the learnings of, of that 10 years. So a lot of people have seen the success we've had, which is flattering and kind of validates the market and you know, are trying to grab a piece of it. And, and there are people that are going to you know, get some traction in the market. but. You know, as I mentioned earlier, we're playing to dominate and win this market, and to be the 70% winner, I think you have to have the full platform, and you can't start with these power apps, nor can you do it by doing custom integrations for that whole transactional engine. It just doesn't scale. Some large customers may say, that's great, and you're going to, going to get a handful of customers or maybe even dozens, but you're not going to be the 70% market winner by doing that, and that's really how we view it. Well, I mean, that, you know, 70% potential, I mean, that, that's, that'll be fantastic, you know, if, if you can own something that, you know, in such a big market, such a dominant share, that'd be really impressive. Um, so, um, I'm going to throw out one more question, and then we're going to open up the floor to, uh, to questions from the audience. Um, federal. Um, you guys, uh, are, <clears throat> uh, in, uh, in 2019, um, you announced, you know, your big deal with uh, U.S. Postal Service. Um, where are you in the federal um, uh, building in building out your team as well as building the pipeline into 20, uh, 2020? Yeah, so as, as you noted, the United States Postal Service was kind of a, a marquee win for us uh, to break into the federal, and federal is always a little bit of the chicken of the egg, right? You need FedRAMP to get into federal, but you need a federal sponsor to get FedRAMP certified, and uh, USPS has is, is gone really well. And we're at, we've gotten the first kind of certification of FedRAMP. We're going through the, the next stage right now, now that they're pretty much uh, implemented. And, you know, that's really opening up the, the Fed opportunity, right? So we've continued to add resources there. Uh, we have a big pipeline in the Fed now as well. And a lot of them were kind of waiting to see how the USPS thing went. So it's, it's still very much early on in that opportunity, but one that we think is a, a massive opportunity, but really just getting started. Got it. All right. Well, let, let's see if there are any uh, questions in the audience. Yeah, we have one right there. Thanks. I have, I have one question on um, SAP. I mean, they have, have clearly better integrated their, um, their cloud suite um, and also in the process to 
um, partner up with Microsoft um, to um, sell broader and deeper um, into the client base. Um, do, you, do you think that's, that's a kind of a um, game changer for them? And if at all, how do you see um, companies like Cooper being impacted by that? I really don't follow, you know, we, we see SAP the most, right, from a, in, in deals. You know, the, the win rates and, and that type of thing are clearly shifting in our favor um, and have been for, for quite some time. With respect to S4HANA and some of their cloud-based initiatives, you know, I, I would point you to look at what they're doing. We, we, haven't, we haven't really seen anything new from a competitive landscape, anything that's changing our deal cycles, the way that we go to market, and, you know, the, from a true transactional engine, haven't seen anything there. So, you know, our whole strategy is to not really look back at the legacy guys, is really to continue to innovate, build out our business spend management platform, uh, and just keep executing. So I really haven't seen anything there that I would call out. Anything else? All right. Well, um, maybe I'll, um, I'll throw out the, the last question of the session. Um, you guys put out a billion-dollar revenue goal um, at your, at your uh, uh, 2017, December 2017 analyst day. Um, how do you feel about that number today versus, you know, when you, when you put it out there, you know, almost two years ago now? If, if you look at where we were when we put that out, we've been public a year. You know, since then, we've continued to innovate on the platform. Coupa pays is, a, you know, a, the X factor in growth. You know, clearly, I think during that time, we've gone from what might have been viewed as a risky choice, like a newly public company, to clearly the, the market leader in the space. And, you know, we've executed, right? You know, our, what we committed was 30% growth uh, for, you know, five to seven years at that point. And we've clearly exceeded that from a growth rate perspective. So... And I feel, you know, probably much more confident than I did at that point in time. I mean, you could, we could kind of see it happening, but as you get more and more data points, it gives you more confidence. And, and as a result of that, you know, we've, we've continued to invest much more heavily in the sales and marketing team and go to market. And I mentioned we had our largest, you know, sales boot camp last week. So, uh, you know, we clear, we've always been very disciplined in how we've done that, right? You know, growth, uh, sales efficiency, and also operational efficiency with respect to free cash flows. And, uh, you know, so far we've executed really well, but we never really look at the past. It's more of, hey, I truly believe this is an execution play. And when I met with these new hires uh, last week, I said, you know, when I first went public, I told the company, if we execute in X amount of years, we should be a $10 billion company. And, and I truly believe if we execute now for X amount of years, we should be 40, 50 billion in you know, X amount of time. I'm not putting time frames on it, but I believe the market is big. And, and if we don't get there, I literally point to each one and say, if we don't get to that, it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault, it's your fault, and it's my fault, right? And, and what's a better place to be at when you can just say, if we don't get there, it's our own fault, right? I mean, yeah, there could be some macro stuff. Trump could do something stupid, but you know, outside of the external factors, it's really ours to lose, and, and that's what we really impart on, you know, all of our employees, and, and we're very rigorous about that, too. That's, it's, it's really important. You know, we did our, our annual shuffle like we do every year, and, you know, we, we're very efficient. And, and I also tell people, if you're here to rest and vest, uh, we will smoke you out, 
right? And if you look at, you know, the contribution, we have a, a great culture in one where you know, the next person doesn't want to let the next one down. Obviously, the inverse of that is you're working hard, the other guy's sloughing, and it brings everybody down. And um, that's what we are. We're, we're, we're all about execution. And, you know, the, there's no, I don't want to say there's no complacency, but there's very little. And the example I always like to use, I know we're over time here, but is, you know, when we won United Airlines, right, our CEO, and we have these all of us emails that go out. He said, one, congratulations. Two, why did it take so long? Three, where's American Airlines? Right, so that's that's kind of the culture at Coupa. It's you know we're always pushing ahead. You know, yeah, yesterday was great, but what what's next? Perfect. Um, well, this is a great place for us to stop, Todd. Thank you so much yeah. for your time today. Yeah, no, thank you, Stan.